for In the Garden with Peter Burke, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. In the Garden today, brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist right there in my neck of the woods in Colchester. Check them out online, clausens.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. Online at guysfarmandyard.com. By Grow Compost, compost, soil, mulches, expert gardening advice, and great fun, Route 302, Route 2, right? Route 2 in Moortown, that's just down the street from us here. Grow, growcompost.com is their website, growcompost.com. By PR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walker. They've got some prefab raised beds that'll serve you right as well as all your lumber needs. Menards Agway, your yard garden and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist for top quality flower arrangements. Also, Taste of the North, all kinds of natural goodies. They're online at tasteofthenorth.com and located on Route 302 in Barry. Down in Virgin's, Linda's apparel bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. They're on Main Street in Virgin's. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, great selection, Route 302 in Barry. And your locally owned Agway stores, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more, Route 2 in Montpelier. And here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hello. Hey, Joel. So, perfect day for gardening. It's a, I, I think it's a, so. It's a little overcast, but a good time to set in new plants if you want. Great time to seed. And uh, so, uh, get down out there. I had uh, after the show. Yeah, in my in my sunroom, which serves <laughs> as a greenhouse for my starter plants. Yep. I uh, kind of forgot to put in a uh, catnip plant. Oh. And it's about four feet tall now, <laughs> in a six-inch uh, pot. <laughs> I might just keep it as an indoor uh, as an indoor plant. Sure, why not? It's blossoming already. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I just put some pepper plants in that actually had small peppers on go. them, and uh, I was I was sort of wondering well, maybe I should put them in a pot, but nope, my son planted them for me, so they're there. So today I want to talk about watering the garden. It's uh, not an option; it's a must. It's very important. You know, over seventy to ninety percent of our garden plants is water. And uh, so the benefits of providing enough water for your plants regularly is just, it's not always obvious. There's the obvious uh, reasons that you do it because your plants will be more productive and stronger, but also they'll be more resistant to pests, more resistant to diseases and absorb nutrients 
more consistently so that the plants are less likely to be vulnerable from the elements. And a for instance on this is uh, blossom end rot. And we've had a few people call about this. And this is blossom end rot on a tomato. Uh, it is, it's often attributed to lack of calcium in the soil. But the problem is often brought on by inconsistent watering because the plant can't draw up the calcium without the adequate moisture in the soil. And uh, uh, in, in Ed's uh, book, you know, The Vegetable Gardener's Bible, he talks about water as a transfer agent. And he says it so well that I'm actually going to read it from his book. He says, the nutrients pass from the soil to the plant through a film of water surrounding the tiny root hairs that grow from the plant's roots. If the film and water is not there, the nutrients do not get to the plant. Anytime the soil immediately around um, any of the plant's root hairs becomes too dry, the transfer of the nutrients slow and the plant's growth slows as well. So that says it pretty well is that, you know, the, it's not just, uh, you know, what you see, it's what you don't see. It's very important to keep, and I emphasize, keep a steady uh, moisture level in your soil. Also, a lack of water, right, will send the message to the plants to begin to produce seeds and bolt. So your lettuces will become bitter, your spinach will start to flower, your radishes will become hard and woody. So there's a lot of reasons to keep that consistent moisture up. Makes it, it's a, it's a worthwhile. Um, so the goal for, for watering is to provide an inch of water every week across the garden bed. Now, I have read widely, a widely varying uh, formulas for for what an inch of soil is from it's a it's over it's like six gallons per square foot and you know 10 gallons per four by four bed and so it's a, it's a little bit hard to to really get a um, you know a good read on how much water is enough by you know by reading what people say Generally speaking, what I do is I use between a five-gallon bucket and, and, and or two on my four-by-four four bed, and so I will, you know, go ahead and water, you know, uh, once a week. I'll take my five-gallon bucket out and I'll water each uh, each plant. Now, rain necessarily is not always a reliable source of water and and so it's important to water regularly so your garden plants have that steady and consistent source of water uh, farmers have irrigated you know for centuries As a matter of fact i remember lessons in my science class about the lever and the screw you know that the egyptians used that to lift water up in order to irrigate their fields so you know irrigation has been going on for a long time i have heard some people say oh no i, I never water my garden and i'm thinking well you're losing out you know you really could have a more productive uh, garden and have a lot less problems um down the road if you just go ahead and water um so 
one of the confusing things is that even if you have rain, right, and you have a rain gauge out and you have this summer rain that comes in fast and furious and, and uh, you know, showers for, you know, maybe a half hour or so and you look in your rain gauge and it says a quarter inch of rain, probably none of that rain will penetrate the soil. Probably none of it. Unless you have a, a day of soaking rain during the week, you know, then you need to water. So when you water, you want to water fairly thoroughly. You want that water to soak down into um, at least six inches in the soil. So one of the advantage of having your permanent beds and having lots of vermiculite in your soil is that you really can't water too much because vermiculite will absorb anything that's excessive. Also, you know, um, you need to remember that your sets and your seeds will need daily watering until uh, they show signs of growth. Then, then you get the same, then after that they start getting, you know, the same routine as the rest of the garden. Was that clear? <laughs> okay. So there's a, a number of different ways to water. Well, I can tell if I'd watered correctly <laughs> all by, by how many of my cherry tomatoes split. Uh, I think that's from uneven watering. Uneven watering, yeah. right? Not yeah. necessarily too much. And you'll notice right. that if you have a really good hard rain, sometimes your tomatoes will split right after that because it's been so dry that all of a sudden they're, they're flush. So it's, a, as you say, as you point out, you know, a consistent watering will also, you when know. When they split means you have to eat them right away. That's so. it. means you got to go out and pick and eat, yeah. Yeah, and with the sun golds, we don't mind a bit. <laughs> so um, since we're, we're not going to rely on rain for our watering um, exclusively, there's a couple of different ways, you know, uh, for instance, uh, I use a five gallon bucket and a, and a cup, plastic cup, and I'll go around and I'll water each one of my plants. And, um, or you could use a sprinkling can, right? You could go, depending on, you know, how much garden you have, you, you could use a sprinkling can or a sprinkler like you use for the garden, you know, where it goes back and forth and that kind of thing. You, you know, I've used and really like uh, my watering wand. It's a hose and sprayer, and it's specifically, um, you know, for a nice light um, soaking watering. And uh, I think I, I got mine at, at Gardener Supply, but, you know, they're, they're around. And they usually come, oh, you know, about they're about two feet long, and they're... Um, have a nice sprinkling head. It's fun because you have about eight or nine choices. You know, you yes. can go from from angle, <laughs> left angle, right angle. You can go power straight. Then you can go fine mist. Then you can go light shower. I have a grand old time pl playing around with it's, it. Uh, yeah. So you did turn the mist on and mist right. yourself, or, or exactly <laughs> find one of your little granddaughters and say, "Hey, come here." You know, that, 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 as all Vermonters do, I drink from the hose. So <laughs> but don't turn it on, you know, the power setting because I might lose a few dentures. <laughs> you could. You could easily. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so Joel's Guide to Practical Gardening. Not, <laughs> not, don't, don't lose your dentures. <laughs> not necessarily the opinion of uh, people who know gardening, <laughs> i.e. the host. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can appreciate it, that's for sure. <laughs> Now, uh, something that's really become popular recently, uh, well, over the last, uh, you know, five, ten years, is the soaker hose. 
and, uh, and uh, drip irrigation. Drip irrigation is a little bit different than the soaker hose in that a drip irrigation is actually has a little uh, spigot, little dripper, and it's you set it right by each plant. You set them out, you know, every 12 inches or so. A soaker hose, same idea, but it's generally it just um, it just soaks uh, with lots of holes. It just soaks an area all the way around the hose itself. So both of these require you to run the a plastic pipe down a row of uh, of uh, plants and I've also seen where people use a soaker hose and say like in a four-foot bed they'll do one up one down one up and then one down so they're about you know um, 12 inches apart or so and and that's a lot of plastic it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of gear and it's a, uh, for a small garden uh, for my garden, I put it in an irrigation system that's, uh, you know, it's a half-inch pipe, and then I've got these little sprinklers that come out in a quarter-inch pipe and a sprinkler head. Now, um, sprinkling, of course, is uh, is not your ideal, you know, whether you're using a sprinkler can or a sprinkler like the lawn type, because you're wetting the plants, and it's hard to get an accurate read on how much is actually soaking down into the soil because you know the a fair amount of the water is actually held on top of the plants and it takes a while for the soil to get moist enough to actually absorb water you'll notice that if you sprinkle at first it just sort of it almost rolls off off the soil it it doesn't actually sink down in so, you know, you have to, you know, act, to really get an idea of, of your watering effect, right, you have to actually dig down in a little bit and look and feel. Just stick your finger down in there and, you know, you should, you should feel it should be wet down, you know, by the, at least six inches down. And then you know you've done a good job of soaking the soil and that the plant root zone has the moisture it needs. You know, the leaves, although the leaves can absorb uh, moisture, um, the, the best and the most important uh, place is in that root zone, those top six inches of soil. And so, you know, that, that's an important step in the whole watering process is to, to double check because now, you know, we're going into July and August and those are our hottest months. You'll find that during those hot months, you may have to actually water twice a week. It may be 10 gallons instead of five gallons, um, but use that, um, that measuring stick of the six inches down and make sure there's plenty of water down there. Uh, not water, moisture, you know, that your soil's moist down there. Um, so, of course, you can rely on rain to a certain extent, but if you don't have a, a day of rain and the rain gauge is showing one inch, right, um, it's not adequate. It won't be adequate. And, uh, again, you just need to, to use your gauge, you know, stick your finger down there six inches and see if there's moisture down there when, when it rains. And so that's I just you know caution you that the range gauge can lie to you you know it can you can get a quarter inch of rain but in fact nothing of that has actually penetrated the the surface of the soil and gone down to the root zone so 
you ready for a break or are you uh yep uh, let me uh, let me just say that uh, this is also your program talking to our esteemed <laughs> listeners so we'd love to hear from you uh telephone wise and yes. these are our numbers 802-244-1777 that's the local exchange 244-1777 or toll free from most anywhere 877-291 8255. Yes. And uh, if you've got uh, friends, neighbors, family out of the area who enjoy gardening and can't pick up WDEV, we are streaming worldwide at WDEVradio.com. That's right. And, 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 and furthermore, if you can't get, <laughs> if you can't be here at 1230. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we have the podcast. Right? <laughs> On top of it all, we have podcasts. Okay. Well, I see a call or two coming in right now. So okay. we will, we will go to our callers right after these words. Okay. Great. Where do you find locally grown plants? At Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Buy six six-inch annuals for just $36. And all trees, shrubs, and blueberries are 20% off. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. Route 15 Wolk is proud to be your local sawmill. Our logs come from within a 50-mile radius. Logs are sawn into lumber here at our mill in Wolka. Lumber is dried here on site, and lumber is finished here on site. Local lumber, local service. Put us first. PNR Lumber, Route 15 Wolka, 472-6636. Monday through Friday, 7 to 4.30, and Saturdays from 8 to noon. Follow us on Facebook, too. PNR Lumber, 472-6636. Let's say you need a hinge, a sweatshirt, a birthday card, a new toaster, some sugaring supplies, some local beer or local cheeses and breads, even local greens, roots, and meats. Now let's say you need a new bathing suit or some logger boots, maybe a new onesie for your baby, or stylish Carhartt clothing. What about curry and cumin? Maybe sewing notions. Can you think of one place you can get all of that? Well, I can. The Woolies Store in downtown Greensboro. Did I mention the cheapest gas around? The Woolies Store. If Woolies doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. The program is in the garden, and on the line for you, Peter, is Angela in Morrisville. Angela, welcome. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Last week, we called in, uh, me and another guy, about Mm. that um, GoPro and the pellet. I was hoping you'd call back. Yeah, I did contact um, Kelly at GoPro, Mm -hmm. and she got right back to me. And um, she did say that this year, those pellets that Joe, I think, from Morsel had mentioned, they put in their thing that's a feather meal pellet, and they came in larger than usual. And before they could catch how the size requirements, it ended up in their mix. And so they are looking for the right size requirements and will change it. But she does say it's particularly attractive to um dogs. Yeah, I know. That's Joel. He just told me his dog has been... That's exactly. I use a very similar product, and my beagle went and started eating the uh, fertilizer I laid down. Right. And that would make sense, like, why our bag was all torn up and everything. (laughs) And so she recommended, well, put, of course, put a fence around your garden. (laughs) Or just, like, really put the the thing in the bag in a real tight container and store it in your garage. So just practical stuff. You know, I was wondering is uh, a couple of things. One is if you soaked the fertilizer before you put it on the ground, if that would help. 
and and uh, because I know dogs sort of like the crunch, but some dogs like their their crunchy food, you know, their kibble moist too. So I don't know if it would help or not, but it was one of the things I was thinking of. And the other thing, of course, was to throw a mulch on top of it, but that probably just get them to dig the mulch away. But that's very interesting. You wouldn't think that the size of the pellet would make a difference, but it's clear, you know, from from what you said and Joel and I've had a few other people say, hey, you know, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, I just thought I'd let you know, and it's very interesting. Thank you, Angela. I (laughs) so. (laughs) I'm glad, and I really appreciate you calling. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Thank you, and uh, we have a we have callers on the line, so let us go in the order that they called in. It's uh, Norm in Bristol for you right now. Hey, Norm. Hello, Peter. Uh, I have about two or three quick questions. Aerating the soil. I used to watch my grandfather take his fingertips and go around his onions, yep. loosen up the soil. I've, yes, I've heard that. Is that uh, also called oxygenating the soil? Mm. Possibly. I, it, possibly. It's possible that it's doing two things at once. It's, uh, the uh, Onions tend to be very, very fussy. They they do not like any weeds near them at all. Right. They they really are fair. Although they have a big mass of roots, they're not deep and they can be shallow. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it's just a temperament. They just do not like. Uh, and they also don't like soil sitting on the on their bulb. You know, so I think but, that that does both the aeration and also sort of clears away a little space for the bulb to get larger. So if you happen to see the part of the bulb sticking out, you want to leave it that way? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll have to remember that. I just got done doing some of that uh, around my onions, and Mm -hmm. so I covered up some of them, so I guess I'll have to uncover them. Now, that also allows the water, when it eventually rains, to penetrate the soil a little more easily, doesn't it? Yep, sure does. It's a a natural path right down to the root zone. Right. And that's... um, I, I think I just mentioned, but when I plant my sets, uh, I actually plant them in a cup, more or less a, 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 you know, a depression in the soil. A lot of people think that you want to plant them in a hill, but in fact, you, if you give them a little depression, and I'm not saying more than, say, half to three-quarter inch, when you water, the water pools in there and goes right down right. to the root zone, and that's... Yeah, I've done that before, different mm-hmm. things. Uh, cup. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Too. Yeah. Yep. So um, I have a problem with a fungus. I've seen it around in my walks just up the road from where I live. Yeah. And it's growing on a tree that I think is bitter walnut. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. But it's a real ugly thing. It starts, you know, close to the bottom sometimes and works all the way up to the basically the top of the tree. Now, I'm, I've got some on uh, one of uh, my uh, Stanley Plum. Uh-huh. The tree is, I saw a couple of places on it last year, and I cut it off. This year is loaded with it. Oh, wow. And I found one of those trees over in my back lot, not too far from those trees, my, my little orchard. Mm-hmm. And um, I cut that down. Mm-hmm. So I looked around. I didn't see any more down here, but, you know, I'm only within maybe a couple hundred yards from the spot that I'm seeing them in the last few years. Uh, on my walks. Can you describe it a little bit, or could you send well, me a photograph kind of, of it? A, yeah, it's a dark uh, brownish gray, I don't know, kind of a cross between a gray and a black. It almost, 
it's it's like the the bark of a tree somewhat, but not the tree that is host tree. It's uh, mm -hmm. real rough looking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's, it's round, and you know, it's kind of roundish, and it's on both sides of the tree, you know, all the way up to the top. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, well, uh, it, regardless of, of the identity of it, the, the solution tends to be just about the same for all of the funguses that grow on a fruit tree. And we're specifically concerned about your fruit trees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at a certain point in time, the good practice is take a gloved hand and run it along the bark, and that takes all the loose bark off and then also uh, interrupts any kind of a mold growth uh, that right. you might have. And then when you're done with that, and this is usually done just before the uh, the blossom is you, you spray with a miscible oil or, a, um, you know, it's an oil that's specifically made for um, spraying trees. And, I've and, got some of that. Okay. So you want to spray that right off, you okay. know, the very first thing. Once you have a blossom, you know, then you wouldn't hurt to use a fungicide like a, well, like what you use for, um, you know, for the late blight, you know. Copper. Yeah, a copper. Use that. I use and that. and it, have you used it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, go ahead and spray your fruit trees, the bark, and uh, I would, you know, just use it for the uh, for the bark unless you're seeing it on the leaves. Yeah, well, no, I'm not seeing it on leaves, but one thing mm -hmm. I did do with the copper this year, and I sprayed my sweet cherry trees. Oh, really? And I had a fungus that kind of came in last summer, mm -hmm. and it killed a lot of the leaves on the tree. Mm. And this year it started you know, very early, so I think that fungus must be in the soil. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure. I didn't know if it was a reaction to the copper. Mm. Um but, uh, yeah, so I'm not going to have any cherries again this year. Mm. It's so, either the birds or the funguses now. What, I know. It's always something, isn't it? Uh, what do you use for mulch around those cherry trees? I, I haven't had to, you know, because they've always produced. But, uh -huh. they, you know, the trees are probably five years old. Uh -huh. Well. One of the one of the things that the easiest path for any kind of fungus or bug is to go from the grass right into the under yeah. the tree. So if you break up that path with something like a bark or some, you know, it's a good idea. And then you can, you know, you can uh, rough up the bark to to try to kill anything from starting to grow along there. Also, when you do your fertilizer, you know, if you have that uh, mulch there, you can use that for your drip line. You can put your fertilizer right around uh, on right into the bark and water it in. Right. Or, you know, drill your holes. Some people like to drill holes or use a, you know, a, a stick. Yeah. And then you said you had another. Yeah, one other thing that I've seen a lot of, you know, especially this year, it's a vine. Uh, it's an invasive vine, I believe, of some uh -huh. kind. Yeah. I call it a strangler vine because yeah. I don't know what its real name is. <laughs> Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Kind of red, I, I, red tentacles on yeah, it. Yeah, red tentacles, yeah. A pretty easy to pull, you know. Yes, it is. I've gone through and pulled a lot of it out. Yeah. It's, sometimes yeah. the tentacles are 8, 10 feet long. That's right, yeah. You, 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 you have to watch it don't pull down something that you want to keep. <laughs> yeah, they're in my raspberries a lot, and they're kind yeah. of hidden down in there now. Yeah. So I have to yeah. follow it down to the ground and then pull out by pull the roots. Out, yeah. Now, and will that, that actually sprout if you leave a root in the ground? 
if enough of the root is just like a dandelion if you if you leave enough of the dandelion root it'll sprout again but if you get down a couple inches usually it'll just decompose there's not enough the node is gone you know, well, that's something would. relatively new, isn't it? I mean, mm, I don't know. I've, I've never seen it before until maybe the last, oh, I don't know, six, seven years. But this year, it just seems like it's going wild. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, uh, as we start to uh, import uh, sand from other states for our roads, I've noticed that a lot more invasive weeds have started oh. to come in. Uh, most notably, the uh, the um, parsnip there, that the poison parsnip, yeah, the poison parsnip. Then you got the um, yeah, yeah. suckle, <laughs> a number of others. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Full, full blossom right now, and that, in fact, this other weed grows along the roadsides. They haven't actually mowed my roadsides yet, but I go along and try to. Mm -hmm. kind of below the ground level mm -hmm. yeah. they're full of seeds and if you pull them out of the ground and you leave any any part of that stem left they'll produce another stem full of uh, seeds again right yeah, yeah so so yet yeah, just pull those st stems unless you want to use an herbicide but pulling them is the best way to do it yeah okay all norma right. thank you very much um i appreciate your call all right Bye -bye. <laughs> and we got john from hard pike hard hide park <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> John, are you still with us? I'm still with you. All right. Hi there. Um, <laughs> Welcome. So uh, I have a specific problem with some Brussels sprouts that I planted. Yeah. And I'll explain. Um, all my cabbage family plants I put in raised beds this year. Which uh -huh. In the past, I've usually had them on the ground in rows. Sure. But I ran out of space, and I put my Brussels sprouts, as usual, on the ground. Yeah. Everything's doing well except the Brussels sprouts. Huh. And they, what they're doing is, at first it was one, it just started shriveling up. It started yep. shriveling up, and I put extra water, and then now mm -hmm. there's three or four more mm -hmm. that are starting yeah. to follow suit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm thinking probably maybe cutworms, or what do you think? Um, a cutworm, its distinct uh, uh, MO is that it just, your plant just simply falls over. It's as if somebody came in and cut it. And that's what the cutworm does. It wraps its, you know, self right around the stem, and it just, you know, starts to eat in. So it actually cuts and falls over. Um, what it sounds like to me is the uh, the cabbage root maggot, and you can um, you can see them if you, if the one of them that you have there is uh, is actually dead. You know, if you have to, if you pull it up. I did pull the worst one up, and it. Not much left of it. It's only about no. three inches long. Right, yeah. yeah. If you look closely at that, though, you will probably see about, um, you know, a quarter-inch little maggot worm uh, eating eating away at, uh, at the roots. The cabbage root maggot is, um, is usually fatal. Um, I have been able to save some of my uh, Brussels sprouts and broccoli plants by using uh, wood ashes. And I take a um, you know a couple tablespoons, maybe even more, maybe even a half a cup, and sprinkle it right around, and then use a pencil or even my finger just to sort of poke it down in around the roots, and then water it, and that seems to kill those maggots. Um, it's, oh, okay. It, 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 this was just desperation on my part, but it seemed to work, and it seemed to save the ones that were left if they weren't too far gone. 
Well, we've got a couple plants that look hopeful, possibly. Yeah, so uh, get out there today and make sure you do that right away because, uh, you know, time is not on your side in this case. Well, what about seasonal? If I got some more plants and planted them, is it going to have yeah. the same trouble? Or? No, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily at but all. Maybe use wood it's, ash in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. But it's a there's a fly that it comes in in the beginning of the year, and and uh, yes, some people try to avoid it just by planting a little bit later. Uh, the most common practice, of course, is to use like um uh, the agrabon or rime cloth over the top to keep the fly from coming in in the first place, and that that works as well. But um, you know it's. You don't need to leave it there after the you know they start to set and start to have new growth and generally the the root maggot is uh, is you're out of sync with it with out of sync with the, of the planting the egg laying I mean yeah <laughs> do you have uh, an idea why my other plants that are in raised beds are not having a problem they look great uh, you know it's coincidence it's just luck of the draw. Okay. It, it, there would be no particular reason why one or the other wouldn't be. Uh, just that's where the flies landed, and, and for the most part, I have seen or suspected, I should say, that that it, that the eggs were already in my sets. You know oh. that when I bought them, they were already there, and because I had never had them before, and I only had them on one you know bunch of sets that I had got from one place so I was you know I suspected that that might have been the problem but since I've had it every year after if I'm not careful um, I it's probably everywhere now in my garden you know that that cycle is already there and probably some wood ash around the other plants that mm -hmm. aren't bothering would be a good prevention wouldn't hurt a bit yeah and what about diatomaceous or tomaceous? I don't know how you pronounce it. Or diatomaceous earth won't, well, now I can't say that it doesn't work for that because I honestly have never tried it. But I suspect that it probably is the acidity in the, in the, ass, in the wood ashes that affects the, um, the grub there, the maggot. Um, but, you know, you, no harm in trying. I mean, it certainly works well for slugs. And well, that's what I went out and did a couple of days ago around all the other plants see if mm -hmm. it would help protect them, but I mm -hmm. don't know if it does or not. Yeah, I so, don't think so. Well, I think you've answered my question. <laughs> well, good luck. Let me know how it works. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, take care, John. Yeah, Our telephone numbers are uh, locally 802-244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. Lines are open right now. We'd love to hear from you. And we also thank our fine sponsors for making In the Garden possible with Peter Burke each Saturday here on WDEV. When you stop in, boy, we'd appreciate it if you mention, yep, I, I heard your message on In the Garden. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the, in the spring. You put an order in, and you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. Summer is alive and well at Linda's Apparel. Vibrant.
vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkly jewelry, a captivating collection of women's fashions, soft eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential. If it's time to freshen up what's in your closet for hot summer days, visit Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. A perfect place to find yourself this summer. Clausen's is celebrating summer with Clausen's Grown Annuals, Perennials, Vegetables and Herbs. At Clausen's you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full-service flower shop. Print out your weekly online coupons from Clausen's.com. Summer is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think summer? Think Clausen's. You are listening to WDEV News Radio, a network of stations owned and operated by the Radio for Mind Group. 96.1 WDEV FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243 AT Berry. 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier. Along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. And online at WDEVradio.com. Well, Once again, here's okay. Peter. Oh, okay, we have Dale from Barry. All right. Well, Dale, what's up? You got it? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dale. I've missed the beginning of that. Can you say it again? Yes, I have a couple cherry tomato plants. Okay, yep. I live on the uh, third floor. I got them in just by the window in 10-inch pots. Yep. Um, the great tomatoes are getting really tall. Yeah. No flower. No flower yet. And the other ones, the cherry tomatoes, are just drooping over. One's already died. I water them. Mm-hmm. Is there a booster or something I could get a kickstart and bring them back? Well, I, it, uh, what we want to figure out is what's the problem. Uh, it's possible um, there's sort of a list of problems. You know, it could be that there's... The root, I mean, the, the stalks are beautiful. The oh, stalks are beautiful, okay. Yeah, but the leaves are just dying. They're drying out at the end. Drying out at the ends. And how, uh, what kind of pot are they in? What kind They're of... in a 10-inch plastic pot with uh, miracle Grow uh-huh. uh, bark in it. Okay. The miracle Grow bark in it. Yeah, so, now... Okay, let me just sort of list a few problems and you tell me if any of these make sense to you. Sometimes there's too much um, nitrogen in the soil, so you'll get a big old green plant, but you won't get any flowers on it. That's a possibility. The other possibility is that there's no drainage in the bottom of that pot, so that the bottom of the, the roots there are sitting in water all the time. And they could be actually starting to rot out. And then that would make sense for the leaves turning brown. Holes in the bottom and I got plastic. Container. The plastic, okay. So that's that probably isn't your problem. Um, uh, then the other thing is that uh, it, it. I'm not sure how much sun. A plant w- needs about, you know, a good uh, 12, 14 hours of sunlight. I don't know. Have that. Yeah, and and that might be where where the problem is. You know, okay. is that that um, um, there are hmm, boy, there are some sprays that you can spray a plant with that encourage its 
it's setting um, but that's usually setting fruit on flowers now you don't have any flowers on it at this point right no no I did and they died off so mm -hmm. they were just starting to bud out you know just to get the flowers they wouldn't yellow yet yeah okay they just uh, set and and then just sort of dried up and died right mm. uh, so I um, the other problem is is that uh, the flowers need to be um, you know pollinated but I guess if their flowers aren't even opening then then there's no chance to really even pollinate them so scrap these men basically I, I mean last year it worked beautiful I don't get it so. Oh, it worked well for you last year, yeah. Because um, you know, I've I've grown them indoors during the winter, and you know, they weren't great. But you know, a, a cherry tomato in January is always looks good to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I and I suspect is is that the same kind of soil that you used last year was the. Um, was the miracle grow uh I, I used regular dirt and then I got some uh, old dried uh, manure and made like a soup out of it and yeah. every once in a while pour soup on it and yeah. that really boosted them up. Oh sure, yeah. Well, um I I sort of go back to my, my initial conclusion is that it's probably there's too much uh, uh nitrogen in there. Okay, and I wouldn't set that down. Well, watering it will flush some of the nitrogen out, but just plain water. No, don't put anything yeah, else in there. Why well, did I had Miracle uh, grow on yep. liquid too? I've been mixing. Yeah. So to it. I'm wondering if I overdid it. I think you did. You know, and, and it's easy to do um, because you know you're trying to do the best thing for them, and you know we all sort of go under that rule that more is better. But right. in the case of uh, something like Miracle Grow, which is is really quite a booster, you know, once every two weeks or even three weeks would be plenty, more than enough. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so you. Should I check that? My my uh, soil is very moist right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess what I would try to do would be how would you dry that out a little bit? Well, just stop. I have a fan right next to it, so yeah. I can turn the fan on and blow it on. I suppose that would work too, um, but what you want to do is um, also is you want to dry it down. So just take a, you know, uh, something. Wrap around it, maybe. <laughs> I'm not so sure. You could put uh, some mulch, you know, like a, like a, you know, a little bit of hay or something like that that would absorb some. But we want to go down a little bit deeper. So you want to poke a hole. Just take a stick and poke some holes around you know, around the edge. Okay. So that, you know, it tends to aerate. And if you can get that hole all the way down to the bottom, you might be able to dry that out a little bit. Cause yeah, it, that it, it, it sounds like maybe they're just a combination of too much uh, nitrogen and, and maybe that the, the roots are getting waterlogged. And yep. it's, it's interesting because um, soil actually needs air in it. We don't really think of, um, you know, of how... Uh, how much air is in the soil? We usually think in terms of whether it's dry yeah, I've been or aerating it around the around the outside mm -hmm. down four or five inches. There you go. Well, so not where the where the main roots are, but around the edges of it. Yeah, right. 
Well, try to put a stick down through all the way to the bottom and then uh, definitely stop stop watering it for a little while till it dries out some and then now, and stop with the nitrogen. Would you recommend doing a, try the manure again? No, uh, not not until you start to see some blossoms. Okay. Okay. And then, and, and in fact, it, it's odd, but one of the things that um, encourages blossoms is a, uh, is a, a scarcity, you know, if it dries out a little bit. And that's one of the reasons that you, you know, you, you do a deep watering once a week and then let it dry out from there. Okay. Thank okay. you. All right, Dale. Anything Thank else going on? No, that's fine. All that's right. Good. good luck. Let me know how it goes. I will. Bye-bye now. Bye. All right. So, um, I just uh, the issue of watering coming up again, of course. <laughs> um, uh, so, a couple of the cautions about watering. Well, you, you just heard from Dale there. That's one of them. You don't want to overwater uh, because you can, you can uh, waterlog your soil. And the soil needs air in it. Um, generally speaking, it's... You know, it's a, it, it can be a problem, but um, it's usually more of a problem with uh, uh, in a pot than it is out in the garden. Um, you got something going on over there? No, I'm just okay. trying to make sure the transmitter is working. <laughs> okay. It is working, so, I, uh, so there's, no right. reason, there's no excuse for people not calling. You can hear us. Okay. So some of the cautions about watering, the things that I, is that uh, if you can, if you can avoid it, try not to water your paths. It's one of my objections to the big lawn sprinkler is that you're watering your paths as well as your garden beds. And what we want to do is we want to keep those paths as inhospitable as possible. I mean, things are going to grow in that in those garden paths anyway, but, you know, because you'll have rain and all the other stuff. But we don't really want to water them regularly if you can possibly avoid it. Okay. And generally speaking, it's best to water the ground first and foremost before you water the plant it goes along with that first part and so that's why i i kind of like doing the one cup on a on a plant or and that's a little hard to do with things are that are like a mescaline mix or something like that but if you pour it on you know along the side you, you can you can water the the ground and not them um careful when you pour that you don't drill a hole in the water more or less you don't want to stand you don't want to air cup at six inches above the ground and start to pour because that'll drill a hole right down into the root system and so when you pour you you put your cup right next to the plant and then just tip it over slowly so it fills in and doesn't drill a hole into the ground <laughs> and uh, um, so it's best uh, in 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 uh, in an effort to keep the plants dry. It's best to water in the morning so that the, you have the daytime to to um, to dry out the plants. Um, if you're going to water with a cup, then you can water morning or or night. But it's best to do either morning or night. But if you're using a sprinkler, you definitely want to do it in the morning so that the plants have a pl chance to dry out. Okay, so um, mulch as watering. Some people say, well, you know, you don't have to water as much when you have a mulch. And um, I would say that that's not a guarantee. It's good. Um, it helps to keep that 
the moisture level in the water very even. It's less likely to you know expire all that water on the surface. But you still want to use the old test, you know, drill down an inch and make sure there's plenty of water and and uh, still go ahead and water, even if you have a mulch. Mulch is great, but it, it's not a substitute for watering. And the last thing on my cautions uh, is uh, to double it in hot water, hot weather, <laughs> hot water, hot weather. Um, so come August, you know, when we start to get 80 and 90 day degree days and, and uh, you know, just summer showers and not a good soaking rain, you may want to double the amount uh, of your water. You want to go from, you know, once a week to twice a week uh, from at least five gallons up to 10 gallons. So, and again, the, the test will, will guide you if you, you know, stick a finger down there six inches and double check You make sure that you've got enough water. Joel, is there... Uh, well, uh, we have time for uh, some more phone calls, of course, okay. another 10, okay. 12 minutes or All so, right. but All let's right. take this opportunity right now to uh, uh, acknowledge our final uh, pair of sponsors, two, mm -hmm. good, uh, two good businesses that are really into helping you, in you with your gardening and so many needs, Menards Agway and just down the road from WDEV, Grow Compost. It's summer and mosquitoes are officially feeding and breeding. Hi, this is Tiffany at Menards Agway. We're ready to help with Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. Spartan Mosquito Eradicators are easy to use and only take minutes to set up. Just fill with warm water, shake, and hang. Are you ready to reduce your mosquito population by up to 95%? Spartan Mosquito Eradicators are available at Menards Agway, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, Saturday, 8 to 4, and Sunday, 9 to 1. Hi. Hi, this is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. Grow Compost works every day to complete our food cycle from farm to plate and back to the soil. We collect food scraps and farm residuals and transform them into organic soils for our local farms and gardens. Depend on Grow Compost to provide the finest compost and premium potting soil for all your growing needs. Visit us at growcompost.com for more information about food scrap pickup or soil deliveries. Grow Compost, exceptional local soils. Great, uh, great family business, and yep. I tell you, that stuff is uh, like uh, black gold when you Absolutely. put it in your garden. They both are, yep. both are organic soils and uh, the uh, actual compost itself, quite remarkable. And I might mention earlier for uh, the folks at Menards Agway, which is just down the road from our companion station, WLVB, so I always stop in when I'm uh, heading out to uh, do a little work at the uh, Morrisville station. Um, mosquito uh, repellent and um, that uh, mosquito killer that they have there. This is some year for mosquitoes. Not the big, <laughs> fat, juicy ones, but those tiny little buggers that uh, seem to come by in the billions and uh, just feast on whoever is out there weeding the garden, in other words, me. <laughs> but I have no idea. I mean, I... It got rid of all the tires that were full of water <laughs> and other breeding places, but uh, they still find a place to uh, uh, to uh, populate in great mm -hmm. numbers. But it does seem that these tiny mosquitoes, which are, you know, uh, so annoying, are in greater abundance this year. So I'm going to try that uh, that product at Menards Agway next time I'm out there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and it was interesting. Uh, on my way over, I, I drive right by the uh, Grosso Grow grow compost um and uh i 
I wanted to mention that if you want to see a perfect garden, yeah. she she has uh, all raised beds and uh, you know uh, so permanent permanent pathways in between them, and uh, they're probably a good uh, foot and a half tall. I mean they're incredible beds, but of course she's got plenty of compost. Yeah, that's their best advertisement, <laughs> isn't like, it? Though yeah, one time I was you know heading off uh, to. Uh, a radio shack near uh, near a fitness place and about four or five people walked out of the fitness place just as I was walking by you know yep. and uh, they were they, I never saw so such muscular buff people in my life I said boy they're a good advertisement for that place well a good advertisement for grow compost I wondered that, where you're going well, with that yeah. buddy as you, drive, as you drive in take a look to their at uh, at their personal garden at oh, the right yeah. if you have any uh, if you have any doubt about uh, what uh, how how important uh, a, a well constituted soil is for growing plants <laughs> i mean my goodness uh, do they have a wonderful garden yeah now i'll have to stop in now and ask her how she waters her garden <laughs> so you know for for most of my gardening uh years i have used a five gallon bucket in a cup and as i mentioned before and uh so when i plant my sets i plant them in that recess as i mentioned um so that when i water i fill that cup and and these are usually my bigger plants you know but also i do it with my lettuces and and uh so by one of the benefits of course is as you're watering you can see that water just sink right down into the root zone right where it needs it you know right where it's going to draw up all this moisture but the side benefit is that you're really leaving the rest of the bed kind of dry okay and that creates a what, what is called a dust mulch more or less it's harder for the weed seeds that that are in the air and going to be there you know no matter what you do you know just look at the popple you know and all the fluff that comes from there and certainly all the dandelions that all array around anyway this this makes a dust mulch that discourages those weed seeds from actually sprouting so that's an advantage even though you know um uh you know you might think that that's uh, a lot of work uh, what I find is I just uh, have my bucket and my my uh, my cup, and I just go through the garden, you know, um, in the evenings as uh, part of a um, keeping up with uh, keeping up with the garden. It also gives me a chance to go out and look and see, you know, if there's any diseases or something that doesn't look right. Uh, you know, um, if there's some kind of a bug bothering stuff. So as you're watering, you're kind of, you know, for me, it's a relaxing, so almost maybe therapeutic is it's fun to go out and water and then inspect the plants and troubleshoot a little bit. And of course, harvest, you know, they, as you're there in the garden, you're more likely to, uh, uh, to harvest what looks good. Did you say we had a call? Oh, Lawrence in Marshfield. How are you, sir? Peter, hey Joel. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of years ago, when we started, Connie and I started growing garlic. We were told, maybe it was Wilmer mm -hmm. uh, Brandt, uh, that we that garlic needs an inch of inch of water every week in June. Yeah. That's when the bulb is growing. So it's if it doesn't get in the rain, mm -hmm. you know, then you should go out there and water it. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. we're near the end of that right now, but yeah. it's, you know, still be good to do it. And, uh, and then it's, I mean, 
Our garlic is already scaping, and it's really full. Is yours doing that? Uh, not yet, no. Yeah. But that's great. That's great. So that means you are fairly, uh, you know, fair, it won't be long before you're harvesting. Yeah, they're just starting to do the full mm-hmm. curl, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to wait till it's a full curl, right, before you cut it. Before you cut uh, the scapes. You can cut it any time you want to harvest them. If you uh-huh. if you have the grill hot and ready to go, um, I I wouldn't hesitate to 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 harvest them. And there's no real benefit into waiting any longer than when they're useful. It's not like it's going to make the plant stronger in any way. Mm-hmm. So you just cut them whenever you want them. Okay. That's that's my opinion. Anyway. I don't know why I, I've heard. Quite a few people say you don't cut it until it's a full curl. I've heard people say never cut it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've heard people do that, but they're in the minority. <laughs> Most people think if you never cut it, then yeah. it does the, reduce the bulb size a little I, bit. I just haven't seen any evidence of that, and no? it just could be me. You know, I, I don't know. The, the way you cut them or don't cut them, the, the real important thing is that they're in good soil and and you put them in the fall and you harvest them you know while before they open up you know harvest them soon enough most all of those things uh you know wouldn't affect the um that the the number of layers of skin on the bulb it wouldn't affect anything other than the fact that it puts uh, energy into creating that bulb uh at the top so in a, in a sense it's taking you know energy away from the plant to to have the to, to produce those bulbs. I've left them, I've cut them, I've cut them early and I've cut them late and frankly I've had good garlic every year so you know I, I, I can't say that uh, um, that the uh, there's a huge effect on it. Um, it's sort of part of gardening mythology and everybody has their own idea on it but I would say if you if you're if like I said if your grill is hot and ready to go go cut your scapes and grill them. <laughs> I've also been told that uh, if you put them in a plastic bag and refrigerate them, they last for weeks. They do last pretty well. I, I, uh, what we do sometimes too is is when when you get a lot of them, it's more than you could possibly use. Um, we actually put them right in uh, uh, in with our um, uh, soup stock. And we'll cut them, chop them up, put them in there instead of the garlic. You know, we'll we'll do the garlic and the uh, the carrots and the onions and and uh, all those things to to make a soup stock. And and actually, uh, even all by themselves, they make a very good soup stock. A sort of really nice dark brown, rich, and uh, they they really add uh, some some nice color to your soup stock. So any old any old way you want to use them, they're they're terrific. Very good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> okay, Lawrence. Good talking Thanks for the note. <laughs> All right. Um, one last thing, and I don't want to forget this. Oh, uh, Diane in Heinsberg. Welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank we you. We have a banana plant, and I'm staring at it outside right this minute. <laughs> it has a single piece of fruit about two <laughs> inches long lots of buds some flowers yeah. the question is where the fruit intersects with the main plant mm-hmm. it's all black and, and my fear is it's going to dry up and fall off uh-huh. before maturity yeah is that factual 
Um, it's possible for sure. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, 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 the plant may be cutting off, uh, cutting off the, you know, the circulation to it. And it may be that it's just simply a miniature banana and, you know, the plant is done with it. It's finished. Uh-huh. And, and so it's just cutting it off like it does. And that, that's, uh, that's a, it's an interesting thing because the same thing happens with a tomato plant. A lot of people see yellow branches on the bottom of their tomato plant and they think that, you know, there's a problem with their tomato plant. There isn't really. The tomato plant doesn't have a use for those branches anymore, so it cuts off the, the circulation and they yellow and they die. But the pepper is still green. It's not colored the pepper ready for it but it's a banana pepper oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to interrupt i'm i'm glad you stopped me it was before. diane in heinsberg not ecuador <laughs> <laughs> well i wrote a question mark banana a question mark so peppers. banana peppers oh yeah no i i don't think there's anything wrong with that at all i don't think it's i think that's just a, a you know, I, the black I, stem area. I, I think it's just a black stem area. Okay. I, I've I noticed that that a lot of peppers right at the, where it attaches to has sort of a node on it. Okay. And uh, so that's probably just the node forming. You know, that's where the callus is. That, I uh, see. Uh, want to call it the node that's that attaches the the pepper. And lastly, please, yes. my geranium, single geranium in a pot, yeah. has a little tiny insect that is um, like a fluorescent green and black, <laughs> and it's causing the leaves to have black dots or just dotted appearing. Uh, you mean and, like holes or dots? I mean, um, they aren't. Uh, they they flea, aren't all the way through. Is yeah. it a flea beetle? Is that what you're talking about? Is that the color of a flea beetle? Well, flea beetle is really tiny, so it's kind of hard to see. Generally, when I've seen them, they just look black. No, it definitely has a green and greenish-yellow stripe on it, black and uh, green. Oh, okay, black and yeah, green. Yeah, I, I have those on my, Joel here, I have those on my uh, morning glory leaves uh-huh. sometimes. And a couple years ago, uh, we, I, I did get the name of it, but I, I wouldn't be able to think of it offhand. I have Captain Jack's, but it's not working. Yeah. Really? Wow, yeah. and it's not infested. There's only two or three, but they do a lot of damage. They're like uh, they're like little Japanese beetles, but they're not Japanese beetles. They're much smaller, and they're oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple of things you could try, and and this is just you know the simple things is to shake the plant. You know, maybe tip it to the side and shake it so okay. see if you can to loosen up all the bugs that are on there. Okay. That way, otherwise, you know, you'd be handpicking them, which you could do, and it's just but like... But scurry quickly. Uh, well, that's what I mean. You want to shake them off of the plant, right. and sometimes that's enough just to set them back, and they don't necessarily know where to find your plant again. They go off someplace. Uh-huh. And, of course, you could shake them off and step on them, too. You know, that, that might right. make you feel better. <laughs> but... Um, uh, that would be a simple thing. And then the other is to try something a little different, to try a, a neem uh, oil spray because, uh, you know, what sometimes works for one thing works for another. And neem oil is known to to uh, uh, to kill bug uh, beetles too. Okay. So this is more like a beetle than it is a bug. So. All right, I'll make a note of that. Neem hey. oil, you know you're familiar with that? I have, I've heard of it, not yeah. used it, but uh, yeah. yes. 
you actually can get it in a in a small container that's just a spray bottle, so you don't have to buy a huge amount and mix it up okay. or anything. Thank you. And that's probably the best way to go about that. Will do. And Thanks. then the other thing is just wait it out, you know. Okay. <laughs> All <work>. right. Appreciate <laughs> your help. Diane, I uh, appreciate your call. Take care now. And good luck with those bananas. <laughs> peppers, peppers. Goodbye now. <laughs> Bye now. Oh, well, I've made yeah, a full I'm having trouble with my mangoes, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Pick on me. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought the same, too. I said, you know, well, I, I've, I've seen a lot of people with uh, ornamental plants, and they move them indoors and outdoors. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, mm-hmm. for a while and in certain ways grow grow certain things that oh. aren't happening here in Vermont. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have some lemons. My wife has grown lemons yep. and, and a lime plant and all the rest. So I've decided that the, the new caption for In the Garden Show is the fastest hour on radio. radio. <laughs> in fact, we're going to extend it just a little bit because we hate to turn anybody away. And we do have another call, so I'll okay. ask uh, live and on the air your, your first name in town. Yeah, Wesley from St. Albans. Wesley, welcome. Yes, nice to talk to you. Yeah, you were saying about watering with a five-gallon pail. Yep. In a in a cup, a sixteen-ounce <laughs> cup, a beer mug. A, you know what I mean? How big a cup are we talking? Um, I usually use a a, a plastic cup that's uh, you know the half size. It's not a quart, so it's uh, you know a pint size. Like a red Zolo cup, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, like a, a cottage cheese cup, you know. Oh, okay. You know about that size, only because it's easy to to handle in and out. If you get the larger one, you get so much water that when you tip it over, you tend to bore that hole that I was telling you about. You know, you don't okay. want to you don't want to create so much water force that you're you know you're digging your way down in. And right. Okay. So that's the, that just the one that I found easy, and then uh, then I know that I've got two cups on each. Uh, I think it's actually a two cup container. So it might be an eight ounce, so it might be only one cup. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's one cup or two cups, but anyway, that's about the size of uh, okay. cottage cheese. And uh, uh, so whatever is is uh, comfortable for you, and you know, just uh, just be careful to 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 tip it over slowly so that you're not digging a hole next to your right. plant. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Peter. How do you Great water stuff. now? What do you use, Wesley? Uh, we're using like a uh, watering can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It seems to be all right, but I technically, usually I just bend over and kind of water it easy, but mm-hmm. uh, first two or three are a lot easier, and then towards the end you go, oh, my box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's sort of what I like about the the five gallon bucket in the cup is that you, you just kneel down or even sit down. I have the, you know the bark on the beds there, so it's easy. I sit right. down and just you know do everything. I reach from one side and everything I reach from the other side, and um, you know, and then I'll do my trellis all the way along the one other side. So okay. that makes it pretty easy. What do you think of Miracle Girl? Well, it's a chemical fertilizer. Um, it's not. It wouldn't be something that I generally use. Uh, I have used it on some house plants that that were desperate. Um, one year, I tried it. I used it on a tomato plant that seemed to be really, really, um, you know, having problems. Um, you know, it's not my first choice. That's for sure. And I generally don't even have it at the house, but. 
I know we have a little bit for our houseplants. So okay. as a chemical fertilizer, if you're an organic gardener, it's, you know, it's a chemical fertilizer, so I don't, right. don't use it. Um, you know, it's definitely effective, uh, but, you know, it's, it's not the best choice. There's okay. other things that you can use. Uh, we use a, mm-hmm, uh, oh gosh, it's something my wife bought. It's a, it's a, it's a powder like that, but it's black and it's organic plant magic, I think is what they call it. And okay. that same thing, you mix it up in water and it, it has a humate in it and it's, it's really pretty good stuff. And you can use it as a foliar, just like, a, um, just like that. Yeah. I was wondering, I've got a few tomato plant not really green but more yellowish mm-hmm. and i didn't know mm-hmm. if i need a little nitrogen if i could boost use that and mm-hmm. one. yeah you could but you could also use a, a fish emulsion you know the 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 fish fertilizer uh-huh. uh, you can use that both as a foliar and uh in your watering can you know you um, i'll mix up uh what is this two tablespoons per gallon so i'll put like five uh, to ten tablespoons in that five gallon and i'll use that once a week on all my plants Okay. And that's a that's a real good source of nitrogen and um, and then all of your trace minerals as well. So I like right. that. And I u- actually use the one that's a combination of fish and seaweed. I think that's a that's a great uh, uh, boost to your plants. Right. And, you know, right. You're not using anything chemical. Yeah, because they may need a little zinc or cobalt. I don't know. You know yeah. Without a soil test, right. it's hard to tell. Yeah, right. It is. Um, Wesley, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. All right, it. let you go up here. Great show. <laughs> All right, okay. thanks. Well, let's take one one final call. We All have, right. We have to, uh, we, we've got the mole and vole man from oh. Montpelier. Evan, <laughs> I, Evan's on the line. <laughs> Evan, honestly, I didn't say vole or mole at all this time. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw some humor. Good. Uh, um, but I had a question. I've been actually sort of killing some areas to put more things in my garden. and. Mm-hmm. Every year I go through, the, you know, you find things, you see a scurry of uh, earwigs, and you kill as many as you can. But mm-hmm. there's an orange worm that's sort of like a cutworm, but it's maybe a little fatter. Mm. It's, um, it, But it's a similar kind of thing, and I just wondered if you've ever come across it. Or, you know, I try not to decide immediately that something is uh, <laughs> going to be a problem for me. But I, uh, it, it, and it's you're pretty sure it's not just a fat cutworm then. No, because cutworms are generally black, right? No, nope. nope. Uh, cutworms are are sort of tan, uh, tan to, to orange. You know, they they oh, really? and they look like they're armored. They they almost look like an armored. Uh, oh, I would say if you stretched them out, they'd probably be inch inch and a half, maybe. Yeah, that's about it. Inch and a half. And generally, when you touch them, they curl up into a you know into a circle, and uh, and like I said, they're they're you know light tan and they 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 look like they're armored. Well, these things don't curl up. They probably are an inch, an inch and a quarter, maybe. But uh-huh. it's not it's not you know it's not like I find a, a great number of them. It's like I'm, yeah. I'm very fortunate. I haven't really ever had much of a problem with cutworms. But yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. If I see them, I just grind them up. And fingers sure yeah yeah but yeah i don't know what this orange thing is it could be a cutworm that i just i was thinking that so maybe it's just a different kind of cutworm i don't know uh, i don't know well just uh look up uh, you know google cutworm and see if that's what it looks like to you okay because uh yeah. um and and remember you're i uh, you're 
you're going to you know add stuff to the soil you're going to change the composition of your soil you're going to sweeten it up a little bit um you know you're going to change it the the whole sort of dynamics of the the biome there so it's going to change you know and and the things that were comfortable in there before are are not going to be as comfortable so you know con the compost will um uh, inoculate it with all kinds of good stuff and you know well i've seen this thing probably over you know the last 10 years or something but it's never like so many of them that i just sort of if i see it i throw it on the neighbor's driveway and <laughs> <laughs> hope that the birds like it right maybe <laughs> 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 well, that sounds like good. Th good thing. I, I'm curious. You let me know if, if that's if that is a cutworm. If you look it up, uh, I I don't think that yeah, cutworms are. As far as I know, they're not black. There the there is a ringworm that's that's uh, that's black, and that one is probably about the same size. Now that I think of it. But that's a, is that a fairly brittle thing? And you know, it's, it's pretty skinny. Like you know. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, harder than an earthworm. Definitely harder than that. The cutworm is as well as the. Yeah, yeah, the, and, and the cutworm is uh, sort of pointy on each end too. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, t take a look and let and let me know if that's well, what you got. What about a thing that's like maybe an in, uh, half an inch to three quarters of an inch? It's kind of in encrusted it almost looks like a I don't know I, I wanted to say like a locust or something but I'm finding it in the soil and it's just if I were to s squeeze the shell it would just be s squishy and it doesn't seem to have any animation to it at all but it's <laughs> definitely something that I come across every that, spring uh, I'm not sure but like I said it's all indication of a pretty healthy soil so I mean you you want them all there not most of those things that you see will not cause your problems you know in your garden the cutworm will occasionally but it has to be at the right place at the right time and you know by picking up up and throwing them out you you're reducing the population for sure yep. but uh you know healthy plants usually can can withstand most of the problems you know most of the bugs that are there you know there are problems when you get an infestation of uh, you know, aphids or, you know, all those different things. But, you know, good healthy soil is going to have bugs in it. Most of your good healthy plants will be able to risk, resist uh, any problems with them. Good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> healthy soil, healthy plants. The less problems, the better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't worry about it too much, that's for sure. And and so, what are you planting new this this year? Why are you expanding well, your garden? Well, I've had a couple of surgeries, so I'm just way way behind. So yeah. I've got a lot of beds that need some weeding and uh -huh. you know some compost and some yeah. you know, composted manure or you know whatever. All that good stuff, yeah. So I'm just I'm going through stuff, and it's like after you have surgical things, you're not allowed to put your head down because they they don't want any and or exercise and get your blood pressure up so that everything heals better i don't know is this just an excuse not to get out there in the garden evan <laughs> <laughs>
yourself hurt yeah and i'm not doing any i'm doing the, the normal kind of things you know the, the tomatoes are done the peppers are done i oh, gotta good. get some carrots you know the tedious stuff oh the tedious stuff yeah 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 and some and maybe i'll give it a shot with some uh parsnips and, and see how that's because yeah. i never harvest them till next spring anyway so there you go yeah still plenty of time yeah all you have to do is plant and step back yeah. well we um uh we got a, uh, a letter here from what is uh, Bill, and uh, how do you say his last name? Uh, I think it's Bill, uh, oh, Bill Shepluck. Yeah, Shepluck, okay, yeah. Good. Yeah, we also got one yeah. from uh, uh, John Taylor, but I think oh, no, yeah. this is a, uh, but, but okay. uh, yeah, our, uh, our well, town manager. Well, it's uh, interesting, it's called uh, Hunting Wild Honeybees, and it's from the Island Pond Historical Society, and it was written by uh, Betty Gilfillian. Gafillion. Sounds right. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's it's really quite fascinating. It's much too long for me to read uh, on on air, but uh, and particularly since our hour is more than up. <laughs> but it's fascinating picture into uh, life at a time when people went hunting for wild bees. Now, I think that there are still those people that do that. Um, who will find wild bees out in the in the hinterland, and it's a it's just a fascinating description of how they suit you know gear up and attract the bees and watch the bees and and uh, and explain what a bee line is is yeah. once a bee finds a source right they don't fly back and forth but they make a straight shot back to the hive and so once they get to that point you can you can actually follow them and he actually went to the trouble of marking the bees with little blue and, and green dots so that he could follow them uh, I it's just amazing to to see uh, uh, hear it described see it read it described anyway so um, very well we could go more into that but very fast I want to looking forward to reading it myself yeah. and uh, we certainly thank the correspondents you know care of WDEV 9 Stowe Street Waterbury 05401 we'll talk about John's John Taylor's uh, gardening advice uh, on our next program okay should we take one last call it's okay with me okay yeah. <laughs> okay uh, good uh, afternoon you're on the air with uh, with Peter uh, your first name in town hello hello you there hello Again. Hello, okay. are you there? <laughs> Hello. I think we uh, I think we lost our last caller. Oh, okay. All right. No, there we go. Are we there? No. Okay. That was uh, I guess that was a false positive. Oh, okay. Right. All right. Somebody so, probably calling in for a request for a song. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. Where there's a will, there's a way. Push yes. Push that button, Joel. Push that button, and then say. Are you there? Are you uh, your first name I'm in town? Here. Oh, right. thank goodness! Thank goodness! <laughs> I wouldn't want you to blame me for this. Your first name in town? My name is Laura, and I live in Roxbury. Well, welcome, Laura. Thank you. I have something eating the just the top two leaves off my beans. Off your beans? Yep. Uh, top two leaves off your beans. Okay. Um, do you you have any idea? Is it a bug or is it a animal? And uh, and well, I just it started making little holes in the leaves. Okay. So I assumed it was a bug. Yeah. But now it seems to like but the two top leaves are chewed off. Actually chewed off, huh? Yeah. 
Well, there's a, a number of things. It's too early, I think, for the Japanese beetles. Uh, the Japanese beetles love my beans, and uh, they will oftentimes eat them up. Um, uh, you know, a woodchuck, of course, will will eat quite a bit of, of uh, bean plants. They absolutely love them. Um, it's but wouldn't he eat the whole thing? Probably, yeah, more than likely. But he'd probably yeah. eat it right down. I I I've just uh, found out I have a woodchuck living under my deck. So, uh, and the way I figured that out was uh, well, my son saw him, and then and I and I said, well. It looks like one, we're missing one of our kale plants. And he said, oh, yeah, that's probably the woodchuck. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> um, anyway, it, it, there is, uh, do you see any signs of anything like a, a cluster of eggs or anything under the leaves? No. No, nothing like that. And, uh, and the, you, Just the yellow beans, the purple ones and the green, they haven't touched. The purple ones they haven't touched, huh? And uh, so there's no green worm. You don't see a green worm around there because uh, the 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 cabbage worm will is sort of a uh, it will eat the beans as well. But um, so you'd need to look around a little bit and see where you can find. Uh, chances are, if they're eating your leaves, they're probably leaving eggs there somewhere. And uh, so I would, uh, I'd probably look around and see if there isn't a sign of something in in the under, right under the leaves is where you want to look, not on so much right. on top. Look and see if you can see them underneath there because that's that's where they're gonna gonna be eating. What else would you? What do I do about them? What's that? Uh, well. You know, I would try. Um, I would try either the the neem oil or the spinosad, one or the other. Both of them will um, will kill a beetle or a bug. Okay. Um, what was the second thing you said? Neem oil or what? Uh, Captain Jack's dead bug is the, oh, yeah, is yeah. that's the spinosad spinosad. Yeah. Okay. And that that will uh, that will kill bugs of of many different varieties. I would try that or the neem oil, and that should set them back. Basically, you just want to set them back until the the beans get a little bit bigger. Usually, the it it you know it does it looks like it's hurting them. Or they look like it's gonna kill them, or yeah, it's killed them. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you better spray them as soon as you can then. Okay. Uh, right. Also, shake the leaves a little bit and see if you see a bug dropping off of it. Right trying to think of what else would actually eat the leaves like that though it's just as they're coming out you know they're just getting yeah right well the other thing if they're just coming out then it could be a um, a slug a slug will do that and I've had problems with it eating both my beans and my uh, uh, cucumber plants um, oh yeah I have do, lots Oh, okay. So that probably is what are, what you're what you're fighting there, particularly if you're not seeing anything. So um, you get yourself down and and get some sluggo, and yeah. go ahead and and just uh, you know uh, they're like little pelt, wood pellets, and you just uh, dust them right uh, right across the row, uh, or in the bed, whichever. Uh, okay. All right. That that sounds like it might well be the problem then. Okay. Let me know. Thank you. 
Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, I guess we will wrap things up. I just want to share a little. Uh, first of all, my beans. I know what eats my beans, and they're the bunnies, <laughs> and uh, they they make no you know there's no there's no doubt about who the culprit is. Uh, uh, second of all, where I live out in Mallets Bay, Colchester, Mazza's strawberries are in, and they are more delicious this year <laughs> than ever. And it's really? the perfect time of year for me because I still can harvest rhubarb. And mm. now I have fresh strawberries to oh. mix into my rhubarb. Boy, doesn't that sound good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Joel, you're killing me here. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, I'll, I'll let uh, Pete, well, you're the host, Peter. We've got to wrap things up, and so uh, you have the final word. Well, thanks. Thanks, and, and that's it for this show. And we'll see you in the garden next week, right? We're on for next week. I do believe yeah. so. Oh, okay, good, good. All right, and thanks again for your calls, and uh, uh, we'll see you next week. kind of an extended version, but we've enjoyed your calls. Brought to you by the Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester, Clausen's.com. And do check out Clausen's.com for their Monday coupons. Get some great deals. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. What that means is there's one near you. Grow compost, compost soils, mulches, and so much more. Check them out on Route 2 in Moortown, just down the road from WDEV. PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store, Route 15 in Walcott. Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. And on Route, 3, on Route 302 in Barry, Blossom Cottage Florist for top quality flower arrangements and Taste of the North, all kinds of organic goodies, tasteofthenorth.com, Route 302 Barry. In Virgins, one of our favorite places, Linda's Apparel with uh, so many beautiful, vibrant colors, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and some great expert advice. They know their business. Route 302 in Barry. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds and all you need, right there on Route 2 in Montpelier. Do join us again next week in the garden here on WDEV.